We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, the topic is this. Was Jesus a Republican or a Democrat? And who would he have voted for if he had the right to vote at all? I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thanks for listening into the show. Well, today's topic is the question of, was Jesus a Republican or a Democrat? You know, when you engage in political commentary, whether it be just over the dinner table in your home, or whether it be on a podcast or a radio station or Facebook or Twitter, you often get the retort, especially if you're commenting from the perspective of a biblical worldview like I do. You will often get uh, chastised. You'll receive a rebuttal that goes something like this. You know, you act like Christians can only vote for, quote, right-wing conservatives, unquote. I hear that all the time. And then they'll go on and they'll say something like this. You should be more open-minded. You're very, very close-minded in your politics. And then they'll conclude by saying something like this. Well, you know, Jesus wasn't a Republican after all. You know that, don't you? Jesus wasn't a Republican. You get that? Have you been told that before? If you're listening to this show and you lean toward conservative solutions, conservative engagement, if you agree with at least my premise that conservatives conserve the time-tested truths, those ideas that have been proven over time to be workable, those ideas that bear good fruit rather than bad fruit, those ideas that are better than your contemporary opinions. If you agree with me that we should eschew chronological snobbery and lean toward history until history has been proven wrong, I'm not saying that tradition is always right. I'm not saying that history uh, always always is infallible. Oh, absolutely not. There are ideas that are old that are proven to be bad. But I also believe that we should, in humility, lean toward tradition and lean toward history because just because I came up with an idea five minutes ago doesn't make it better than 2,000 years, 3,000 years, 4,000 years of history and time-tested truths. So when I say stuff like that and I lean toward the Republican Party versus the Democrat Party because I see the Republicans far from perfect leaning more into tradition, into history, a party that is prone to more freedom rather than less, a party of smaller government rather than government largesse. No, I'm not saying Republicans are perfect. In fact, I've criticized Republicans on this show over and over and over again. Some Republicans that I've voted for, 
I criticize on the show because I think they abandon the Republican principles of small government as soon as they get elected. Or they're spineless and they don't have the courage to confront the social issues of our time because they seem to be more politically expedient than they are principled. But all that said, I often get criticized. And again, I'll repeat the criticism. You sound like Christians can only vote for right-wing conservatives. You should be more open-minded. After all, Jesus wasn't a Republican. So how should I respond to this? How should you respond to it when you get the same retort, the same rebuttal, the same criticism, the same chastisement? Let's take a break, and when I get back, I'll answer that question. Was Jesus a Republican or a Democrat? And who would he have voted for had he had the choice to vote at all. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. I'll be right back in a couple minutes. In 1978, George and Kate Tedford set out to protect Oklahoma businesses better. Today, their son and our CEO, Mark Tedford, is excited to carry on his family's legacy. Professional liability, compliance, property, workers' comp, health and life. Tedford Insurance's dedicated team gives you access to the nation's largest insurance providers, negotiates the best rates, and protects their own legacy like no one else. Call 918-299-2345 or tedfordinsurance.com. The Patriot Auto Group, locally owned and operated. The Patriot family of dealerships takes great pride in supporting the communities we serve throughout the great state of Oklahoma. The Patriot Auto Group's charitable work has been recognized throughout Oklahoma. Whether it's visiting one of our local dealerships or simply shopping and buying online with our doorstep delivery, the Patriot Auto Group takes the stress out of buying a new or used vehicle. And every purchase comes with our exclusive peace of mind, Patriot Pledge. You get engines for life, plus one-year maintenance and 10 full years of roadside assistance, plus so much more. Sure, we can sell you a car, but supporting our community and lending a hand to our neighbors in need? Sold. The Patriot Auto Group. Proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve. Okay, so welcome back to the Rebellion. So today's question is pretty simple. It's this, uh, I'll call it a left-wing response. Maybe that's unfair. Maybe people even that in the middle... Maybe even people who vote Republican would chime in on this one and say, well, you know, Jesus wasn't Republican, right? Maybe if you're disappointed with the Republican Party, you would applaud that position. You would agree. I'm disappointed with the Republican Party. You've heard me criticize the Republicans down in Oklahoma City over and over again. I think our Republican leadership down there in the Senate, in the House, is substantially spineless. I'm not happy with them at all. They don't listen to the conservative Republicans. They try to marginalize them. They try to silence them. And that's just a proven fact. That's a proven fact. That's why Oklahoma, at times, appears to be more purple than it is red. Again, uh, my repeated harangue has been, Oklahoma acts like it's the most conservative state in the union. We're the reddest of red states, not one county going blue in multiple presidential elections. But yet, we have a bunch of spineless rhinos down in Oklahoma City that don't govern conservatively. They probably were Democrats five seconds ago. They switched to the Republican Party just because in Oklahoma you can't get elected right now if you're not a Republican. 
All right, that's a different show for a different time, perhaps. But lest you think that I'm a blind loyalist to the Republican Party, I just need to remind you, I don't think there's anybody who's been more critical of some of our Republican leadership down in Oklahoma City than I have been. But I do vote Republican. I do believe that when you have two choices, and quite frankly in the United States right now, if you want your vote to be meaningful, you basically have to choose one or the other. Now, you may want to argue with that and say you, you're a constitutional party member or you're a libertarian. But when is the last time you saw a libertarian candidate win any election here in Oklahoma or the United States? It's very rare, very rare for a libertarian to gain enough political clout to actually win an election. It just doesn't happen. So if you want somebody who's actually going to have a say, actually be at the table, whether it be in the executive branch or whether it be in the legislative branch, you basically have to pick your poison, Democrat or Republican. So again, the question is this. Am I saying that Christians can only vote for Republicans? Am I being closed-minded in my commentary? After all, Jesus wasn't a Republican, you know? How should I respond? How should you respond if you tend to agree with me? That's the nature of today's show. That's the question for today. Well, first, let me just answer right up front. I want to be very clear. No one ever said Jesus was a Republican. Well, you want me to say that again? I never said Jesus was a Republican, nor did you, nor did anybody else. That's absurd. And frankly, that retort is foolhardy. It, it hardly even warrants a response. Because, of course, Jesus wasn't a Republican. The Democrat Republican Party obviously didn't exist in Jesus' day. So again, no one ever said Jesus was a Republican. I didn't say that, nor did any other conservative. Evangelical, Bible-believing, Orthodox Christian never said Jesus was a Republican. That is an absurd retort from the left or for the, from the progressives or anyone who wants to challenge me or you or anyone else for leaning conservative. So with that as a fact, no one ever said Jesus was a Republican. Let's get back to the issue rather than waste any time on such a foolish non sequitur. I mean, that's a rabbit trail to the extreme. Don't even take the bait, okay? The argument I persistently make on this show in my columns, in my speaking, everywhere, social media, whatnot. The argument that I'm persistently making is not to tell anyone what candidate to vote for. As much it is as it is to suggest that if you claim to believe something, then your vote should be consistent with that belief. I want to make that point very clear again. What I'm saying on this show isn't to tell you what candidate you should vote for necessarily. Sometimes I think the contrast between two candidates is so stark, I don't mind saying this guy's better than that guy. For example, I would tell you to vote against Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. I would tell you to vote against Chuck Schumer or AOC or Nancy Pelosi. Why? Because of their policies and their practices. They're terrible. Now, if there's somebody running against any of those candidates that's going to give you more freedom rather than less, I probably would say, vote for Joe. Vote for Jane. They're better than Pelosi, AOC, or Schumer, or Biden. That was the case with Trump. I have issues with Trump, you know that. But I don't apologize for believing that a vote for Trump 
was for more freedom rather than less. And a vote for Biden was for more bondage and slavery and stupidity rather than more freedom. But back to my point, I'm not trying to tell you uh, which candidate per se to vote for as much as I'm suggesting that if you claim to believe in something, your vote should be consistent with that belief. In other words, I'm saying vote for your beliefs, your principles. Vote for the Constitution, not a king. I've said that before. So if, 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 I'm, if my argument is that you should vote in a manner that's consistent f- with your beliefs, let me give you a couple examples. If you believe in freedom, shouldn't you vote for less government rather than more? Interesting question, huh? If you believe in freedom, shouldn't you vote for less government rather than more? Or if you claim to believe in women's rights, shouldn't you vote for someone who understands that if women aren't real, they have no rights? And here's another one. If you say you believe in creation care, surely you should vote for someone who believes in a creator, the creator, shouldn't you? My point is this. Freedom If that's one of your highest goods, if that's your summum bonum, if that's your driving principle, then how can you vote for more government rather than less? Vote your principles. And nothing drives me more crazy than people who claim to be feminists, and then they vote for someone who denies the female. You can't be for women's rights if you turn around and vote for somebody who says that women aren't real, and therefore they have no rights. You've got to vote in a manner that's consistent with the things that you say you believe. Your behavior must be consistent with your beliefs. So the bottom line for me is this. Any Christians listening to me right now, I guess maybe today's show is more for Christians than those who aren't, but if you're not a Christian, listen in, because I think the issue of integrity applies to everyone here. But Christians listening to me right now, if you claim to believe in living water, okay, how can you continue to vote for a party that pours forth poison in its policies and its practices and even its pros? I'll say that one again. If you claim to believe in living water, how in the world can you continue to vote for a party that pours forth poison in its policies and practices and its politics and its pros? Now, again, for Christians listening right now, you know when you've read the Gospels, you know quite well that the expected enemies of Jesus, the expected enemies of Jesus were the Romans. You know that that is the narrative of the New Testament. People would have expected the enemies of Jesus to be the Romans. I mean, after all, they were occupying his land. The Romans were occupiers of Israel. God's chosen people, God's chosen nation, God's land that he had given to the Israelites. So it would be logical to expect Jesus to view the Romans as his enemies, right? And you also know when you read the the New Testament that the Jewish tax collectors would have been assumed to be at the top of Christ's enemy list. They would have been right up there with the murderers and thieves and the prostitutes. But as you read the New Testament, it seems to be very clear. In fact, it's kind of stunning. The evidence shows that Jesus didn't treat the Romans like his enemies. 
and that he even chose a repentant tax collector and a former prostitute to be part of his inner circle. Key word there, repentant. Repentant tax collector and a former, that's another key word, former prostitute. And Jesus, the Roman centurion, came to him. Lord, help my belief. I believe, but help thou my unbelief. There are examples of Jesus not being a bigot toward those people that would have been assumed to be on his enemy list, right up up there at the top. So the scriptures don't portray these expected culprits as the primary target of Jesus' ire. No, no, they don't. In fact, quite to the contrary, those who constantly got the worst tongue lashing from Jesus weren't these folks, but they were the social elites of his time. They were the Pharisees, right? You know this. Now, who were the Pharisees? Well, it's fair to say that they would be akin to the most powerful people of their day. They would have been like the lawyers and the teachers and the senators, the congressmen, the college professors. This was the group of Pharisees. Now, I've researched this as much as I had time to do. I don't see any evidence in the historical record that the Pharisees were elected, however. I think it was a self-perpetuating. I think history shows it was a self-perpetuating group. How did you become a Pharisee? Well, you didn't go out and campaign to be a Pharisee. You didn't rise out of the poverty-stricken neighborhoods and just campaign to be a Pharisee and unseat somebody who was already in the position. It was a self-perpetuating group, as far as I can understand. Now, if you find something different out there, then text me or email me or whatever and let me know I'm wrong, but I don't think I am on this one. Pharisees weren't elected by the populace, by the citizens. But that aside, they were the most popular. Just like lawyers aren't elected, teachers aren't elected per se, senators, congressmen are. Uh, But the reason I put them in this group, this analogy of what Pharisees were, is I'm trying to make this point. The Pharisees were the popular. They were the most powerful people of their their day. They were the elites. They were the oligarchs. They were the know-it-alls. They were the smart folks. They were the first century versions of Anthony Fauci, Deborah Birx, Gavin Newsom, Al Gore, Pharisees. And even when I rattle off those people, I'm keep in mind I haven't said anything negative about Pharisees yet. I'm just saying that these are the people of power. These are the folks that are the influencers. And who could deny, whether you're right or left, that Anthony Fauci, Deborah Birx, Gavin Newsom, Al Gore, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and even people in the conservative ranks quote-unquote, the Republican ranks, are the movers and the shakers, right? But back to the Pharisees, the first century versions of Anthony Fauci, Deborah Birx, Gavin Newsom, Al Gore. Now, I am including Democrats in that mix right now because I want you to hear what I'm saying. The Pharisees defined what was good and evil, hot and cold, right and wrong. The Pharisees told everyone else what laws they had to follow, when and where and how. Now you're getting, I think, where I'm going with this. Anthony Fauci, what laws will you follow? Mm, All of mine. I am science. You will obey me. Deborah Burks, 
Her new book makes it clear she was even manipulating the President of the United States. She was manipulating the information so she could control who? You and me. Gavin Newsom? My land. Need I say more? Al Gore? Defining hot and cold? You get my point here. The Pharisees defined what was good and evil, hot and cold, right and wrong. And they told everyone, everyone what laws that they had to follow. Now, at first blush, you'd probably think that these law-abiding folks, these Pharisees, would be the first ones to come to the Messiah's side and he to theirs. But that's not the case. Again, the New Testament is clear. In fact, Jesus called the Pharisees what? Whitewashed tombs, wolves, snakes, and vipers. He called them hypocrites. If Jesus had any enemies, it would seem to have been them, right? Again, they got his tongue lashing. Not the Romans. Not even the tax collectors. Not even prostitutes. Oh, Jesus didn't say keep being a dishonest tax collector. Keep being a prostitute. No, he demanded confession and repentance. He demanded it. And likewise, he demanded it of the Pharisees. There are a couple Pharisees, Joseph of Arimathea, for example, that apparently did come to Jesus. But back to my point. Jesus just lashed out at the Pharisees. Whitewashed tombs, wolves, snakes, vipers. He was mad. Why? Well, here's the reason. Because the Pharisees were false. They claimed to be one thing when in fact they were another. When pressed, when pushed, when pressure was put upon them, their souls poured forth contempt rather than confession, self-righteousness rather than repentance, hypocrisy rather than integrity, vice rather than virtue. They told, the Pharisees told everyone else to wear their required masks, so to speak, but then they didn't bother to wear the sacred garb themselves when they were in private at their own parties. The Pharisees told everyone else to stop driving their cars because they were destroying the climate, but then they jumped in their private jets. The Pharisees told everyone else to quarantine, but then they ran off to the French Laundry, the expensive restaurant, to party themselves. The Pharisees were hypocrites. Everybody else had to follow the laws but them. So Jesus had some very stern words for these people. He said their souls were full of death and decay. He lambasted them for pretending to be something that they were not, and for lying to themselves and lying to others about themselves. These folks, the Pharisees, these were the people who appeared to be Jesus' primary target. He was talking to them when he lashed out about being vipers and whitewashed tombs, hypocrites. He was targeting them apparently more than the unwashed masses that the Pharisees looked down upon. You know, you and me, the common folk. But I want to encourage you, before you chime in here and say, well, go get them, Jesus, you might, we all might want to take just a moment for personal reflection here. Are any of us really any different? Are you void of hypocrisy? Am I? When pressed, what pours forth from your soul and mine? Is it consistency and integrity, or do we have an element of this hypocrisy in our own lives? Self-reflection is important here as I'm talking. 
So be careful when you say, go get him Jesus. You might be sicking Jesus on yourself. Practicing what we preach, I would argue, seems to be all important to Jesus. Pharisees, who justify their quest for power rather than fighting for freedom, in my opinion, are guilty of false advertisement. And they're probably guilty of a lot of other sins, too. Modern-day Pharisees who justify their power rather than fight for your freedom, I would argue, are false. They're false. They tell you to wear a mask, ah, because it'll keep you free from disease, but they're lying to you because they don't wear the mask themselves. You've seen it. You've seen the photos where they're basically sitting there without the mask while they're telling us we can't even go into a restaurant and walk across to a booth without wearing the stupid mask before we then take it off again and breathe the same air that we just walked through. When squeezed, back to this issue of pressure, when squeezed, these Pharisees reveal their insides. They show they have a different core than what their outside lets on. And that's not leadership. It's cowardice. If anyone wants to be a good Christian or a good man or a good citizen, for that matter, they have to harmonize the things they say to the world with the things they do in it and the things they claim to value with the way they vote. I guess that's my key point today. A good Christian, and again, I don't even like using those terms because none of us are good, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you say you are without sin, you make God out to be a liar. You hear me on that? There's none righteous, no, not one. So again, this is not just a criticism of Al Gore and Gavin Newsom and AOC. However, I do think they deserve to be criticized. I don't think it should just be a big group hug where we don't judge. Again, back to my point, a repeated point on this show, the most abused verse out of the Bible in modern day times is, judge not lest he be judged. Don't give me that. Don't respond to me that way. I'll shoot that one down very quickly because you have to read the next couple sentences where Jesus makes it clear that he was not telling you, telling you not to judge. He was saying, be careful when you do because the same measuring rod of judgment that you use on others will be used on you. If you tell other people not to steal and you judge them for doing so, then you better not be caught stealing yourself. Judge not, lest he be judged. If you tell other people not to commit adultery and you're caught doing it yourself, then you're guilty of hypocrisy. Judge not, lest he be judged. The same measuring rod that you use on others will be used on you. That's the point in Jesus' comment of not judging. Proof? He goes on in the next few sentences to do what? Condemn the Pharisees for being hypocrites. He's clearly judging them, and he's telling you to judge people by their fruit. Watch their fruit, and that'll tell you who they are. That's the point. So if you want to be a good man, a good citizen, and again, when I say good, I just mean consistent, a person of integrity that's respected, 
person of virtue rather than vice. If you want to be a good Christian, a good man, a good citizen, then you have to harmonize the things you say to the world with the things you do in the world. You have to harmonize the things that you claim to value with the way you vote. Again, back to my opening comments. If you claim to believe in freedom, you can't vote for somebody who takes it away. If you claim to believe in women's rights, you can't vote for someone who denies that women are real. You can't claim to be a feminist and deny the feminine. If you claim to believe in the dignity of children and you stand against child abuse, then how can you vote for somebody that kills children seconds before they're born and celebrates it as some sort of religious virtue? So my point is this. Jesus may not have been a Republican, but it seems pretty clear he would have never voted for a Pharisee. One more time. I didn't say Jesus was a Republican. I didn't say that. That's absurd. He may not have been a Republican. He wasn't a Republican. But it's pretty clear that Jesus never would have voted for a Pharisee. He condemned them. He criticized them. He said, don't behave like them. He clearly wouldn't have voted for them. And who are today's Pharisees? You decide. You decide. But I think one party seems to be loaded up with more of them than another. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.